It is Wednesday, the 8th day of March, 2023. I almost said 2028. The fuck is that? If I'm still doing this in five years, oof. Yikes. I feel sorry for all three of you people listening. Uh, I was hoping to have something a bit more insightful to to say in the open this week, but uh, I literally have nothing. It's one of the, another one of those weeks where um, I did nothing that would lead me to complain, which is sort of a, a downer. I have complaints. Gr- granted, most of them are sports-related and job-related and shit like that, but, you know, the usual crap. Um, but... I do have this week a killer interview with a Boston musician and actor Gene Dante of Gene Dante and the Future Starlets. Uh, If you're not familiar, you should be. Uh, First, the dude can fucking sing. Second, the band is excellent. Third, uh, were the first two not good enough for you? You fucking asshole. Um, I've been playing the shit out of, out of the, the album, and it came out two years ago, which is sort of a bummer. Like, I, I really wish that it was something I picked up on early, but you know what? I've picked up on it now, and I've been playing the shit out of it for like the last month, and it's great. Catchy as hell. Glam rock. It's terrific. So do yourself a favor. Check it out. Gene Dante and the Future Starlets Deluxe. D-L slash U-X. Deluxe. Get it? Clever. Um... So I have that. It's an excellent interview. Probably take up most of the episode. Or we can just say fuck it and go long because that's what we like to do here is annoy people who listen to the show. Right? Huh? Anywho, I have um, not a ton of shit to talk about. Uh, We will be talking soccer because, ooh, boy. Buckle up. Um, I'm probably going to complain about, like, dumb shit. Uh, you know, the, the fucking railroad crap in Ohio. I might talk a little bit about that. Um, my latest bit on Twitter, which is, you know, something I find amusing. Probably complain about Ron DeSantis. And actually, I probably won't because he's not worth my fucking time. Uh, I also have a couple of voicemails that I'm looking forward to playing. And of course, as I mentioned, that fucking kick-ass interview with Gene Dante. So stick around. Listen close, tell your friends, or don't. Don't be an ass. But, uh, yeah. What else? Oh. (laughs) I suddenly forgot how to do the show. Uh, That's all right here, right now, on episode number 152 of Complaints and Observations. Still, the most less-than-average podcast on the internet. With a host who's the smartest person in the room when he's the only one there. A continuing odyssey into mediocrity. Guaranteed to make you question your life choices and your own sanity. This is Complaints and Observations. With Dave LaPointe. Who the hell is Dave LaPointe? I think he's a bum. 
I think he's an absolute bum. All right, what's up? What's going on? How are you? How you doing? Good? Yeah, me too. Yeah, super good. Uh, so listen, um, just wrapped up that Dynamite interview with Gene Dante that I was mentioning earlier. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with the world. Smart guy. Interesting guy. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Um, and, you know, it's it's funny because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, man, I was, I was on the phone today. I would, you know, probably for a solid five or six hours just on the phone talking to people today. It was brutal. Fucking brutal. And now I now I'm here talking to you. So get ready for this to sound like crap. Uh get ready for, for me to uh, probably check out sooner sooner rather than later. Nah, that's not true. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm going to keep talking. Why? Because I love microphones. That's why. Big, big fan. Uh, but the downside is I didn't really have a ton of content. So the fact that I got Gene to come on tonight is pretty fucking key. Pretty fucking key. Um, but, you know, there are a couple things that I want to just touch on. First and foremost, I'm finding it quite amusing uh, watching Ron DeSantis take his, um, you know, hate-filled presidential campaign tour on the road. And I honestly, I can't wait to see what is going to happen between, you know, the, the dueling troglodytes of uh, DeSantis supporters and Trump supporters. What is going to happen? Because it's going to come to a head. They're going to fight each other tooth and nail. Two massive egos that can't be held back. They're going to fight each other. They're going to split the vote. And the Democrats are going to win again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be boring politics again. Which, quite frankly, is the best kind of politics. Because uh, nobody needs that shit. You know, nobody... Who the fuck needs that kind of theatrical bullshit stress in in their government it's just it's not it's not needed it's not welcome and look it's it's generated by both sides so don't fool yourself into thinking that it's strictly a one-sided issue you know here comes the the fence riders you know i am solidly riding that fence to tell you how it is that neither side gives a fuck about you me different story you fuck you I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I didn't mean that. Uh, but it, it, you know, the best part is you know, he, he comes, he has a book out, something about freedom. It's like, dude, freedom, if you're a white Christian, if you're anything else, you have no freedom in the state of Florida. So don't fucking fool yourself. But that he's not, he'll never say that. He'll never come out and say it. Even though he's just going to keep doing shit that says it for him. His actions speak far louder than his actual words. But enough about that. It's a tiring topic. Sorry. Um, and really, I don't really have much else to talk about, which is kind of fucking boring. You know? Um, I, I could, I could, 
opine about a handful of different things, but nothing is, you know, good. We could talk about, uh, what else can we, we could talk about, um, you know, the state of California saying they're not going to do business with Walgreens anymore. How is that going to work out? I mean, I understand the point. Like the governor there, uh, you know, Gav, Gav Newsom, I, I understand. You know, you want, you, you're obviously angry about their decision, uh, you know, to not offer the abortion pill in certain states. I get it. But I mean, how many fucking regular people are you going to fucking screw over by inconveniencing them when they just need their blood pressure meds? And it just so happens that the amount of hoops they're going to have to jump through. Just, I, you know, I, I understand the point. I just don't know if you thought thought it through. You know what I mean? But we'll see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, you know, I don't want to talk about serious shit. It's boring. It's boring and it's annoying. So yeah. Um, what else can I talk about? This this is this segment's gone over like a fucking lead balloon, eh? Well, that's. Pretty much how everything goes around here. Womp, 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 womp. All right. Yeah, I had to wait for the the actual audio to come back so that I could edit said audio from the interview. But now that I'm going to do that, I can't believe I just wasted fucking five minutes of my life talking about nothing that includes Ron DeSantis. Ugh. Gross. My guest this week, Boston musician and actor, whose band, Gene Dante, and the Future Starlets, their latest album, Deluxe, is fucking outstanding. You can find it on all the usual streaming platforms and at your local Strawberries Records and Tapes. That last part is not true. I've just always wanted to say it. Uh, And quite frankly, he is way too good to be on this dumb show. But since he has agreed to be here, I am thrilled to welcome to the show Gene Dante. Here he is. Listen, first and foremost, thanks so much for agreeing to come on. Um, Secondly... I am so into the to the album. It's ridiculous. I've listened that to is, it probably a billion times. It's fucking fantastic. Like literally from beginning very, to end. It's so good. Wow. You're very kind. Like seriously, that is hearing that makes me so excited because I'm always the big fear about, you know, when you create something is that you're like, I think it's good. Is anyone else going to like it? Like it's, it's what, like one of those, like, you know, is this accessible? I hate that term. You know, like someone goes, it's, when someone says your work is inaccessible, or that's like a nice way of saying it sucks, right? <laughs> like, so I'm always like, people would is, actually is, say that. That's an actual. Well, have you heard that comment before? Not to me. It's like a fucking artsy way to say that somebody doesn't like it. Me, I use the the, mm. the basic Cro-Magnon. I don't get it. You know, like if I don't. <laughs> If I don't like, and that's why, like, when I release something, I try not to talk about it in advance because I remember a very strange night where I was sitting there listening to, I don't know if it was NPR or something like that with one of my friends, a really good, really good friend. And we're listening to, oh, I think it was Ryan Lantry, actually. 
we were um okay we were listening to this thing and this guy was talking about his his album and the way he constructed it and blah 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 and all these themes and what all the experimental stuff they did and then they played some of it and we just looked at each other like all that talk and this sounds like doo-doo like what oh. the, and so that's why i'm like i i just like to do it quietly behind the scenes and then if and then release it and then if people like it and they want to talk about it i'll talk about it mm -hmm. because i have that fear that i'm going to be the guy you know praising my turd on some public radio station and i, I never want to be that guy <laughs> understandable and look so i mean honestly this was it was, a, it was a question that i i posed to you in the in the email was i'm i'm genuinely curious mm -hmm. about what it's like to be a creative in boston at this point right now i mean how much time do you spend outside of the city and then how much time do you typically do you live in town do you work in town okay so uh, let's let's break that up into pieces because that was like a quadruple question right it sure was i'm terrible <laughs> so you'll, you'll find that i'm asking like six questions at one time all right no worries well 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 let's let's unpack it piece by piece um first off i uh i don't live in the city limits i spend a lot of time there i um my rehearsal studio was previously there until recently we can get into that shortly um oh, yes. but a long time ago i really decided that um I kind of want to just escape to the mountains when I'm done, oh. when I'm not, you know, when I'm not being quote Gene Dante in public, sure. I just like to be mm -hmm. somewhere, somewhere that's quiet and green. So I feel like it's kind of like a little fortress of solitude action where I can like park my car off the street. I don't have to worry about it getting destroyed by plows or my neighbors. I, yeah. um, or fighting for a parking spot, you know, and sure. I, I just, you know, I, I want to wake up somewhere where I'm not living above and below people. So mm -hmm. I, and, and I think there's a time when you want to do that. And, and I, I, I used to, and I used to have that. I had that for many years, um, whether it was in Alston or Lynn or even Manhattan. And, um, mm -hmm. and, but now I'm at the point where I'm like, you know what? I like opening my window and looking out and seeing trees, you know? So, um, yeah. I, I'm into that and I find myself more inspired by that. And, and if I really need like a city memory, believe me, I've got plenty of them. If when I'm writing mm -hmm. by, I, as an actor, you rely on your memory, your sense memory, or, you know, things like that to, to be creative and to get into a moment. So that part is, right. that's where I live, but I, I'm in the yeah. city all the time. Um, yeah. let, let's break it down. Like, uh, yeah. now you wanted to talk about, um, about the, the scene in boston like what it's like it's just so like much like, you know what's it what's it like being a creative in you know in the area i guess these days just because the way that you know as, as someone who's on the outside of that entirely mm -hmm. it, it seems as if you know things have changed over the last i don't know 15 20 years or so and it, it's become sort of homogenized and not nearly as um you know the sort of place that really would breed some creativity back in the day i don't know if that's still the case in town it's just that the way that the whole city has become overly gentrified at this point i'm curious you know your take on that and and, and what it would be like for someone new i guess to come in and, and try to emulate what you've done in a sense well i would say that the state of the city you are absolutely preaching to the choir and correct as far as i'm concerned with the over gentrification of the city this city yeah. they are building 
I don't think Marty Walsh's office turned down any development offer that came across his desk. I think he rubber stamped everything. Mm -hmm. And I think that he, under the, the banner and the, AKA the guise of progress, cramming more vertical space into an already dense city is not progress. It's danger is what that is. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and what it is, is we're seeing luxury condo buildings that are half full people can't afford them how many millionaires can a city hold you know and that's right. and that's you have to be a millionaire I, you know i'm still the generation where a millionaire means something you know the idea oh, sure. of you know but like you have to be a millionaire to afford these condos and it's absolutely ludicrous the mm. prices they're charging so um what that does is that means every little scrap of land is up for grabs and and it's scary so what that does is obviously you know it creates um it creates friction it creates flight because the artists have to leave you know mm-hmm. anybody who's not making zillions of dollars has to leave and you know it's really nice you know that there are patrons of the arts and there should continue to be there were in the times of mozart mozart wasn't yeah. a millionaire he wasn't rich he existed at the grace of his patrons you know at at, at their generosity and that's kind of like been the musician's flight uh plight excuse me for centuries until like maybe the 70s when you hear the the stories of you know suitcases full of money and cocaine and stuff like that you know that might have been the blip when the musicians got the line a good chunk of what was going on um right but uh, I would say that um, for for the city, it's it's. I can mostly only speak to the music part because I will say this: there's a definite discrimination in the type of art you make. So if you oh, are an au- me. sure, if you're an audio artist, I say this, and it doesn't matter. I'll say it; it's just a fact. If you're an audio artist, you are highly discriminated against versus if you are a visual artist. Everyone mm-hmm. likes to praise the visual artists, the painters, the installation piece people, the sculptors, they like to pe- they like uh, they like to praise those people, the photographers. You know why? Cuz their art is quiet and it doesn't disrupt their day. It doesn't as much as they think that the image challenges them oh. and it should, it doesn't yeah. disrupt their nice, quiet, peaceful life cuz if I don't like it, I can just look away cuz my weak, fragile mm. constitution can't handle it. But an audio artist is like it's something you listen to. And honestly, if there was a thing, well, I guess people who create fragrances are, are, are smell artists, but, mm. um, you know, and we, <laughs> there's a joke writing itself somewhere about that, <laughs> but, um, but an audio artist, it's something that you, you, you'll have to literally block out your hearing to stop hearing it. That I say that all the time because, you know, everyone hears, Oh, you're a musician. And then it's like suddenly moment of uncomfortableness because like, I'll say it this way. If you live in a town, like where I live in the suburbs and you want to put an addition on your house and, and they, and these suburbs mostly discriminate, well, why do you want, why do you need this space? And you say, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm going to build a painting studio, a sculpting studio for my, for my kiln and my, my beautiful pottery and whatever that playmaking Uh thing is, or I build, you know, I paint seascapes and I paint this or, you know, Oh yeah, no problem. Oh, what are you going to do? Well, I'm actually, it's my home recording studio. Uh, can't have it. My home rehearsal studio. Uh, can't have it. You're going to make too much noise. You're going to bother your lazy ass neighbor who lives in the, 
and behind you and, you know, sits on the couch all night and stuffs Fritos down their throat all night, you know, can't have it, can't have it because, you know, that that's noise pollution. That's, you're going to attract yeah. a quote, bad element. So mm. it's, it's the discrimination in art, you know, anyone, you can have a gallery anywhere. If you have a wall, you've got a gallery. So it's easy. Sure. I'm not saying painters have an easy life. I'm not saying sculptors and ceramicists or whatever they are, you know, and, and mm. projection artists and installation. I'm not saying they have an easy life, but they sure as heck have an easier time getting people to buy into what they're doing than musicians do. You, you bet they do. And the music industry is more cutthroat and unscrupulous than the porn industry when it comes to the back end. So, uh, and the back end, yes, you can read into that. Um, uh, but, um, I will say that, uh, so it's tough to be a creative. Yeah. Now, if you're a visual artist, Hey, go for it. Everyone's going to give you a nice golf clap and send you on your way. Uh, mm -hmm. if you're a dancer, like in the ballet, everyone's going to give you a nice golf clap and send you on your way, you know, that kind of stuff photographers same deal but if you're a musician where you actually need space to make kinetic live things happen well you can forget that you know you can forget it we need more uh more lab space we need more you know pharmaceutical space great because mm. there's nothing like genetic and pharmaceutical experiments going on amid a city of what four million people i don't know how big our city is but sure. you know because in a major or at least wannabe major metropolitan area, there's nothing better than labs conducting crazy experiments with things we know nothing about, you know, to, to be in the middle nothing of that. Nothing dangerous there at all, no. Because nothing, nothing could, point. right, nothing could ever get out. I don't care how many yeah. protocols you have, it's going to happen. Someone's going to get complacent and something mm -hmm. bad is going to get out. And that's going to happen. The worst byproduct of having a rehearsal studio in your neighborhood is a little bit of noise vibrates through the walls. Oh no. You might hear occasionally. Yeah, right. Oh my you know? God. But yeah. anyway, um, that's my that's my soapbox argument. It's tough. I no, would say, no, no, no. That was awesome. I would I, I, but I will that. say I hadn't heard oh. that before, to be honest. I hadn't heard mm -hmm. that sort of separation where, you know, the the you know the obviously musicians have always been sort of looked i don't want to say looked down upon but almost no they have <laughs> they have but yeah exactly but i mean you know in, in some sense you know with a visual artist you know like you said you could just sort of look away uh i hadn't really thought about that and it's a great way to put it i like that nicely done oh, um, thank you i try you had <laughs> <laughs> mentioned your that you had studio space in town i'm curious as to uh where your studio space was and what happened uh, well, we had it. We had a great room for many years at the Sound Museum in Brighton, which is a Sound uh, Museum. That's recently right. closed, yep. and it's mm -hmm. basically next door to WGBH. Uh, yeah. it, it was. I mean, we had a lot of great things going on there. Was the building a dump? You bet it was. But you know what? But we were allowed to create in there. I filmed many videos, music videos mm -hmm. in there. I used it as my own personal black box uh, theater studio, if you will. So there was not just music rehearsals going on there i rehearsed both the hedwig and the angry inch band and the rocky harp uh show band in that room we had many music mm -hmm. rehearsals i've many many after show parties in that room um and uh it was it, the location was absolutely perfect but now no worries you know uh iqhq is here to save the day and put in a genetics lab right in the middle of right on the mass pike so you can take mm -hmm. you know you can take that to heart and take it anywhere right. you want right next television. to wgbh yeah 
So I find well, that rather then, ironic. Then, then somebody who nobody watches can report on the news if there's an accident, right? And they'll get the they'll get the scoop. No, I'm just mm. kidding. They, I'm everybody watches WGBH and I love WGBH. They're also not they're encroaching on other people's uh property. <laughs> I can't blame, but here's the thing: like, I can't on the other end of that sword, like David. If you owned a building that was worth five million dollars, first off, right then and there, I could stop right there. I I would find a way to never work again. If I owned a building that was worth five million dollars, if you owned a building that was worth zillowed at five million dollars, and somebody came along and said, "I'm going to give you fifteen million dollars for this building just to walk away," you're yeah. going to tell me how do you say no? You can't. You cannot. You can't. That's the difference between having to work and owning an island like you're gonna Absolutely. say yes you're gonna do yeah. it and I, like we can get mad about it all we want but you can't there's like what can you do that kind of money is insane i also question how do you have that much money to throw on real estate here like what what are you yeah, doing well, yeah you know? exactly that's another that's a whole other show i think right but my, my curiosity with the sound museum is the way that they sort of went about it it didn't seem as if they handle it gracefully am i incorrect I don't really have a comment on the way they're handling it because I am completely ungraceful when it comes to this entire situation. So I have no place to comment or judge on anyone's reaction of it at all. Um, yeah. I just, I just know that this has been a long time coming with the loss of, uh, let's look at Boylston street outside of Fenway park with the loss mm -hmm. of machine where you want to talk creatives. Yep that yep that was home to the gold dust orphans and ryan landry ryan landry's theater too for many years that was dead space that was dark from eight until that was dark all day until 10 o'clock when they would open the downstairs nightclub and ryan mm -hmm. resurrected that literally i would say single-handedly into a viable theater space and uh created a, another line of business for that place that entire strip is gone because well we need another steel and glass monstrosity that no one can afford to live in and yeah we'll put retail on the first floor like and, and you know great you know for so red sox disneyland is in full swing now and that's exactly yeah. what that area is it's 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 completely out of touch it has nothing to do with the surrounding areas including fenway park fenway right. park is a dinosaur mm -hmm. that they have glued rhinestones onto that's exactly what that is <laughs> trying to make it look like it's something hip and now and it's not yeah and oh, you know that's what? a great way to put it. I for love every that. dollar, for every dollar they sunk into that park, ten dollars should have been donated towards traffic management. And I'm not talking about closing off roads. I'm talking about putting mm -hmm. putting in new roads. You know, putting in other roads because that place causes a traffic jam every time there's an event. Oh, and there's even less parking now. So great job, great job, everybody. Mission well, you have to utilize the the, the world-class, um, you know, public transit system that the city See, has. The, that's the funny part. Working-class stiffs like you and me would, and we risk, you know, blowing up, as I have had friends on a flaming train more than once, but yeah. uh, also, but the rich people will never have to suffer that because a limo will take them to the game, mm -hmm. and they just call, beep, up, boop, Andre, come pick me up. I'm, I'm bored with these working class you know baseballers <laughs> i don't like these plebeians get me out of here well here's the, the thing let's talk the, yeah. if we can i don't want to mire and turn this into a totally negative experience because there's so much good That's going what on the show is about here's what i would say to any young creative first off 
you know more than any of us who are older than you. You really do. You know mm -hmm. how to get people to listen to your music. You know how to newsjack and stitch onto TikTok and do all this stuff to go viral because you have young, awesome, innocent, and pure ideas and that, mm -hmm. that can shake people's grounds and shake people's foundations because let's face it, that's what Mozart did as a composer. That's what Chuck Berry and Little Richard did. That's what Elvis did. That's what the great, you know, Public Enemy, Run DMC, Ice-T, they did it. These mm. people, you, you're you going to make your parents scared and upset. You're doing it right. And that's there so, you, you and, but the best part about the internet and every app, and God knows there'll be 10 more by the time this, this podcast airs, you know, um, those are ways to go viral. You don't need to live in New York to live in Boston. Right. You need exactly. to live somewhere. Was it the movie Orange County, which talked about, you know, writers flourish when they're at odds with their surroundings. So if you live somewhere comfortable, you're not going to do anything. Like here's all great art never came from a comfortable life. You didn't see masterpiece sculptures by like, you know, the prince of so-and-so you see master mm -hmm. sculptures by some gutter snipe who has passion and then lucked out and got patrons or you see painting that exhibits you know pain suffering vision whatever and it's not from somebody rich who's like look i've painted my daisies again yeah like nobody gives a shit go count your money yeah. but the artists go. that suffer create songs painting sculptures spoken word out of experienced suffering experienced uh not have isms <laughs> right whatever have oh there you go you know yeah. and shit hang on my headphone um that's where art comes from so if you're in missouri if you're in kentucky if you're in oklahoma if you're in tennessee yeah, yeah i know right like but right now tennessee is mm. a great place for a riot because of that oh, legislation I agree more. and we're it's coming everybody's coming. calling on dolly and miley to speak up this is your state mm -hmm. look what they're doing to it they're 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 outlawing which is kind of sounds badass right outlaw like outlaw country right <laughs> you know but it sounds badass that they're outlawing drag but they're attacking a good chunk of your base audience get on the mic you have mm -hmm. the power Especially you know, Dolly, and that—that's she I'm will. You, you wait. She hasn't spoken up yet. When she does, it's going to be something wonderful. That's I, I will say, so. and I and I'll even say it about Miley. Maybe with a few expletives because yeah. she's from a younger generation. But I'm sure. into it, and I'm I'm 100 mm. behind them. When they speak, I think we'll be impressed, and and we're you we will know that their voice will be heard, and it will be something good. I, 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 I certainly I have hope to believe so. it. I'm almost you know in some sense I'm almost prepared to be disappointed but i'm well it's always yeah, a good the older you get the more you get that attitude so you can be yeah, pleasantly exactly. surprised i always say to everyone whenever you're taking on a job or doing anything under promise over deliver like yeah. Yeah. scotty on star trek would tell the captain it would take two weeks to fix it but he knew it might take five days so he could he could get their expectations managed and then mm. come through looking like a hero rather than saying, oh, I might be able to get it done in five days, four if I push it, and then it's done yeah. in five days and everyone's pissed off. You know, I didn't like think you, that we'd be using Scotty from uh, Star Trek as dude, an example. I am a, I am a nerd to the bone. <laughs> Dork, nerd, sci-fi, give it to me. I'm all about it. Awesome. I'm, yeah, so it's great. Don't, don't, don't think, hey, what it, 
my God, love him. God rest his soul. Jim Ottenstein, my first writing partner and bandmate, said to me mm -hmm. a long time ago, and I'm sure he stole the quote somewhere because he always had great ones. He said that uh, rock musicians are nothing more than slide rule geeks with cooler wardrobes. And he was Ooh. so and he was so right. Oh, God love you, Jim. He was always right. Uh, That's great. I'm writing yeah. that down. Yeah, it's a good one. But it's true. It's true. And we just somehow not all of us but some people i'm not including myself in there you know like you know manage to look cool even if their their dorkiness their nerdness is yeah. uh is somewhere inside that shell the rock thing down. the rock thing is like our armor you know we were all frigging nerds and losers and outsiders the best of us were nobody was the popular kid in high school nope. that became a rock exactly. star that doesn't happen it's it a doesn't. fair point doesn't yeah. happen doesn't no it exist. doesn't the cheerleader well, let, let me let me jump in while you're you yeah. know and i i don't want to cut you off but mm. i kind of do cut me um, off please listen so i am uh as i mentioned when we started it, you know i've been listening to to the to the album uh, a ton i'm curious as to your i'm i'm guessing you love it and i'm hoping you say that but I, i'm i'm looking for sort of that you know give me give me your two cents on the album and how you feel that came out wow that's it's a loaded question it's no it's awesome i i love talking about deluxe first off let me say hearing you say that you love it is why i do it i want people to love it i you cannot no matter what you do that is not the that is not the same i will say that is not the same as i want people to love me i that's not what i'm saying i want when we created this record i wanted it to be better than like better than anything i'd ever done before at you know anything any acting gig yeah. any certainly any music recording i ever did and uh i said i have all these songs you know, and, and just hearing that somebody's into it make is the reason why I do it. And I want it should be to and honestly, I'll 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 be honest, Gene. More people should be into it because it's fucking terrific. So well, I, we're working you know, on H one. <laughs> yeah, one we're, step we're working at a time. on it. Here's the thing. There There's go. a thing that our, our publicist, the great Michael Murata, said. Uh he runs um he runs Nivet public PR right now. He said that it's the hardest part of this journey is cutting through the static. You can create sure. the next masterpiece of the millennium and cutting through the static because there's so much out there. That's the, that's the tough job. So, but, but the fact that we created, I, I would say that's the tough, that's the next job, creating a piece of art that people love to listen to and are enjoying the packaging, you know, and into it. That's, that's really like honestly, I feel like I did my job, but I also know that there's phase two, which is getting it out there. Hey, Pearl mm -hmm. Jams 10, from what I was told, sat on the shelf after it was released for about two years until some time. some radio station picked up uh mm -hmm. alive and it became yep. a hit. And it was two years yeah. after that album came out. And then you saw then it exploded, you know. So that's mm -hmm. that to me always will make me feel like I have hope. Um yeah. Now, when you say about Deluxe, so you gave me a loaded question. The, I will say this, the overarching mantra above everything we did for Deluxe and John mm -hmm. I and, and, and myself, John I, who, who produced it, who uh, engineered it, mixed it, mastered it, 
and is now the CEO of the label that is that has put it out. H1 Massive. Oh, wow. John, yeah, John. Well, I'll tell you, I'll get to that story in a second. But John, when we were recording this thing, I told him, I said, look, I, I every time I look back at the other recordings, I'm always like, yeah, but. And I said, sure. I, and I, so we created this thing called the no wince policy, which was when you're listening to a take, when you're listening to a mix, when you're listening to anything, if you wince at all, we mm -hmm. stop right there. We go in and find out what's making you wince, making any of us go, uh, you know, like, oh, that was almost good. And we redo it. We fix it. Yeah. We did. It, and I said, we, we can't have, even if the, you know, even if the whole song is the thing that makes like the structure of the song or whatever. So we, we, we initiated that and thank God we, we weren't on a label and we weren't crushed, you know, crushed for time, but we, we said, let's, let's do this no wince policy thing and really create. And, you know, we, you know, we had all the songs and then mm -hmm. we crafted the flow, like start to finish. Like I was like, there's gotta be, I mean, if we're, if we're going to go to the album and I was not a fan of albums for many years because of the way our, let's see how we consume things. We consume them in sound bites and, and tweets and, and, and titles of articles, but not the article itself. So I said, well, yeah. we should just be releasing single after single after single. And then it was like, when it came time to go into the studio, I was like, we have so many songs that we really should just like go for an album, like just go for it. There's a vision here. There's an arc here. A lot of these songs are written over a period of in my life where I was, you know, coming out of some darkness and reclaiming myself as, as the captain of my own ship. And, uh, so I wanted it to tell that story and John was on board with it. And that was super instrumental. I mean, the band gave it their all, of course, but John brought it to the stage where it is an album that you can listen to start to finish. You can, you know, start to finish. Spark, yeah. Spark you don't up. have, you don't <laughs> see that so much anymore and it's a shame, but yeah, it's a start to finish album for sure. Um, and I love the way that, that you brought that up. So thanks for sharing. Um, Please, thank you. Terrific. I am, um, I'm also curious about your acting and what, and what you've done. And, um, uh, when we initially started talking, you mentioned that you were auditioning like crazy. So, uh, I'm curious about that side of things and, and, and how that's going because it's, uh, I find that interesting too. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for asking it right now. Well, I, I don't have anything on the books yet, <laughs> but, uh, I've had a couple of, po I pop up here and there on a couple of things. I'm, yeah. uh, you know, auditions, I can't talk too much about them because you, well, you of kind course. of, sure. can't, you know, say, but you know, yeah. I, my, uh, one of my friends, uh, Peter Burkrot, who is an actor who is in, caddyshack he's one of the teenage boys and he's also oh, an acting kidding. coach of mine oh yeah angie the one the one that bill murray has the uh, pitchfork to his throat on the kid in the night riders uh t-shirt no way yeah so peter wow. he, dude he's a mask guy too he's up on the north shore he's he no is shit. the audiobook king right now his really? voice is on so many audiobooks he's a legend he's a good friend and he's just a great guy but he yeah right and he, guy. oh that's dude, well he's he's a true you know, actor and the voice is a big part of an actor's, yeah, you know, sure. what you, uh, toolkit. And he's the master of this now, but he taught me very early on when I was getting into, you know, really deciding as an adult, you know, acting yeah. was something I wanted to do. And, um, he said, look, he goes, I want to put it in perspective. He goes, I want you to think of a year. He goes, my one year I had was 1000 auditions, 100 callbacks, one job. 
And this was back oh, in the wow. day, pre-internet, everything, pre-self-tape, pre-all that. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, okay, I'm always going to keep that in my mind so I don't lose my mind when I'm like, I've done 500, you know, I've done six mm-hmm. auditions this week. I haven't seen it, you know, because like, here's the thing, you cannot, the one other actor, and of course I forget their name, said the fact that they keep calling you back in is the win because that means it's just a matter of time before you land an audition that they are like, this is the perfect guy for that. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's so many, um, for lack of a more eloquent term, stupid reasons why you don't get the job. You're, um, well, gee, I'm sorry, David, you're actually two inches taller than lead. You can't have it. You're too blonde. Your eyes are too blue. You're too handsome. Mm -hmm. You're too short. Uh, you're too skinny, too fat too white yeah. too black you know what i mean like there's so many yeah there's a million dumb reasons you're not going to get it that have that you ab you have absolutely no control over this is definitely a um a uh, a job where you need to embrace surrender as much as possible <laughs> huh. because what is it i always say the audition process is indulge and then the execution process is surrender because you can indulge to, you know, or like, you know, to, to workshop it or whatever and, and let people try things out and work it out. But then once it's locked down, you just need to surrender to the process, surrender to the director, to the vision and go for it. So I'm, no. I'm in the, but I, I use surrender a lot for this whole, the waiting because, you know, like you're, you're I, when you, when I do an audition, I literally just, I put it out of my mind when I'm done because they only talk to you if you've got it in the mm. plus column. I will say this, I've auditioned for a couple of network shows where I have not gotten a part yet. However, they have pinned me for it. And then what they've done for uh, subsequent roles, they've contacted one of my agents and said, Hey, is Gene available during these dates? We think he might be good for this other role. And they've said, Oh no, we don't need him to tape because we we saved his audition and we're you know we know he's he would be good for it so if you're if you got something they're gonna keep you in mind you sure. know what a but grind you, what an absolute oh, grind hey it, well what do you want it's a job that everybody wants right and you have to do you have to do all your thing on your end to have the the goods the skills you know yeah. the the tactics and all that stuff that you need right all the training you need to do this job right and then one day you will get the faithful glance. You all, you know, it's like you have to have all your papers in order for the one day that somebody comes along and goes, you know what, you might be right. Let me take a, oh, what do you know? You know, and then they take you. So, and, and I hope that day comes for everybody, you know, but there's, let, let's face it, life, what does life give you? It gives you one guarantee, you're gonna die. That's the That's right. only guarantee you ever get out of yeah. life. So you have right. to, you have to just be like, well, what am I going to do? Spend eight to 10 hours a day at a miserable job where they tell me I can't get promoted because I'm so good at what I do. And then they pay me a fraction of what everyone else gets. And they laugh at you when they want you to, you know, exceed or succeed or move up or anything like that. And it was never what I really wanted to do. Cause I always wanted to, Oh, and what if I ever, you know, you want to be on your deathbed going, what if, uh, what if, if I'd yeah. only never don't do it. Don't you're shooting yourself in your foot. You're doing yourself and everyone who loves you a disservice by not chasing what you believe in. Now, if you're going to chase it, you better do whatever you need to do to become the expert at it. You, what is it? 10,000 hours to become a master yeah. at, at whatever skill you want. That includes all of it. You can't just want to be something because you know what? Yeah. I want to be rich. 
Well, then if I really wanted it that bad, I would have become a lawyer or something. Right. <laughs> but you know, you gotta, you gotta, exactly. it yeah. starts with a dream, but it doesn't end there. It, it, hard work follows it. All right. I'm preaching. No, that's, <laughs> I, Gene, honestly, look, I don't, I know nothing about acting and like the, you know, the, the work that goes into it. And, mm. um, you know, the grind is, is fascinating to me. It's very interesting. It, <clears throat> I mean, you, you almost, like you said, when you do an audition, once it's done, you forget about it, that there's really no other way to go about it. My it's look, I've been in sales my whole life and I've been told no 18 billion times. If right. I sat there and was, you know, perseverating on every no that I got, I would never sell a damn thing. So, I mean, it's, it's similar in, in one sense. Um, Although acting is probably a lot more fun, but still, I can see your point. It makes a thousand. It, it really does make sense. Well, David, you ought to, to, now to elaborate on your point, I I see the correlation, or maybe not correlation, but the similarities in sales mm -hmm. and acting. You're let's face it. You're going to hear. I always say this to everybody. You're going to hear more no's than yes in life in yeah. any in anything. Right? right? In you're going to ask out. Yeah. You you know ask out girls you're going to get told no more than yes unless you're you know i don't know chris evans or something like that you know but like you're going to get told no more than yes a apply for a job you're going to get told no right. more than yes you know yeah. uh, anything right so mm -hmm. if you can get no matter what you go into i always say do it with passion and do it with excitement and fervor but also find healthy coping mechanisms to deal with rejection that is yeah because I, 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 as I spoke to a freshman college class about rejection and I said, look, I, oh, wow. if, if you can't handle not, I am not an expert. I was just, we were talking about being creative and everything and rejection came up and I said, you just gotta, sure. it's, it's on you to find out what works for you to deal, go work out, go punch a punching bag, go, uh, go for a walk, take your dog out on a hike, go do something good for, for an old person or a person who has, uh, who's differently abled, you know, go do something and make mm -hmm. you feel good. <laughs> volunteer for uh little brothers friends of the elderly because that is a charity i work with and we fight um elder loneliness but you could do that you know but healthy healthy coping mechanisms you have to have them no matter what line of work you you go into I'm, and i say this for anybody chasing any dream because if you don't know how to deal with rejection now you better learn because what happens, you know what happens when people don't know how to deal with rejection? That's how you get incels. And I would like to believe that you, me, uh -huh. and nobody listening to this is one of those potential people. All right. I highly <laughs> so doubt it. I, I hope not, because that is the pinnacle of ent entitlement, right? That is yeah. the pinnacle. If you're of listening to this and, and you're one of those lousy incels, please um, just turn off my show. Thank you. Carry oh on. my god or or redeem yourself you know redeem yourself find a healthy coping mechanism nothing is less or nothing is more unsexy than demanding shit or being entitled about something everybody you might as well have cracked the stinkiest fart in the room everyone's gonna leave you so like you you you're entitled to it. i like yeah. that That's but good. it's true right like and yeah, yeah. If people worked hard for something and then they're, you know, that's a different thing. But, you know, if somebody's just like pulling a Karen, I want to talk to the manager thing, nobody mm. needs to hear it. Nobody. No. It helps. It helps no one. And in fact, everyone thinks less of you for it. You know, Absolutely. your complaints. Here's, here's a great way. Oh, I get it. Wait a minute. I might have a coping strategy. If something bad happens to you, 
why not write a song about it? Oh my God, I wonder who could oh. be doing that. Mm. <laughs> like, right? Like that was my thing. When somebody hurt me or if someone hurt someone I cared about or I was angry about something, that's where yeah. I, I took to my pad and pen. I wrote, I took to, I beat up. I have damaged so many frigging guitars writing in an angry mode. I can't even tell you, but, <laughs> but and not because I can shred the fretboard. It's just more that I'm a sure. crow magnet and a klutz. <laughs> but yeah, I helped. That was for me. All right, great. We're going full circle writing. I would write it. If somebody, if I just was angry about something, I would, I would write it down. I'd scream it. I'd, I'd, I'd get in the room with my guitar and I would just work on it and I would get it out there. That, and, and so it's not that I don't feel those things. I'm not, you know, a Buddhist monk. I'm not Zen. No, by sure. no means. I'm a friggin' Claude. I am, you know, I am a clumsy Claude. dork is what I am. But what mm -hmm. I did do is I, I realized I could, I could write things down and I would, you know, as if I was creating a beautiful pewter, you know, uh, goblet, mm -hmm. I would, I would hammer it out. I would tweak it. I'd look at it, make sure it was balanced. And that's how I, that's how I write, would write my songs. And I would, you know, take my anger and I would like, you put it in the forge or whatever, you know, and mend it to my, uh, bend it to my will, malleable, yeah. or, you know, and sometimes with a hammer because that, you know, helps you get the violence out, but <laughs> But uh, you know what I mean. Like I hope that's great. Oh no, that was terrific. Wow, I can't believe I brought that back. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Nicely done. Thank you. Um, um, so let me let me ask you an, another uh, just sort of band specific question. Um, mm. In terms of uh, you know what's next, uh, do you have a follow up in mind, or, or are you focusing on your acting, or are you just kind of doing both and seeing how it turns out? Well, there will, I will always do both. And, and okay. the reason is that th because I'm both those guys, I'm an actor mm -hmm. and I am a, a, a songwriter. I always say songwriter before, like I, the word frontman bothers me because it makes, because it's almost implied that that's all it is, mm -hmm. you know, like, so I, yeah. but I'm, I'm it really sounds very eighties too. Well, and it's also like, so, you know, there's some brilliant, passionate person behind the curtain writing the songs and this guy's just the cheerleader selling them, mm -hmm. but it's not yeah. like me. I mean, before anyone would even be willing to join in a band with me, I would play out acoustic, you know, and then suddenly I'm a singer songwriter because I have an acoustic guitar mm -hmm. and it's just naked and it's, you know, it's like not with a full band. Suddenly when you get sure. a band playing your music, you're a front man, but I'm actually, I'm really the songwriter. But anyway, um, but those are, those, those are the two guys I am. So I'll always do it. And because one day, you know, one or the other won't pan out or whatever. Um, we do have, you know, I'm work. I'm always, here's the thing, David, I'm always writing. I'm always writing sure. quips yeah. and phrases. I, I pick up a guitar several times a day just to maintain my sanity while I'm doing other stuff. And, uh, mm -hmm. And I'm always working. So we, you know, I've got pretty much the makings of the next record or or two EPs. I'm not sure what we'll do. I have to talk to the label, but we've got that, you know, that's that's always in the oven. How's that? Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, I'll continue to audition. The band is uh we are appearing at a Terry Hall tribute on March 18th at the um, I think it's the like the American Legion or something in, in Jamaica play mass, but it's like a venue that holds 250 people. And we're, we're going to sing a few uh, songs by the great, late, great Terry Hall, who was in the specials and, um, fun boy three 
he's awesome and uh so we're doing a few of his tunes and um you know i'm I'm looking for gigs for us i'm really my my big thing though is i want to play we're we're a you know we're ready and we have and it's time to make the rounds from maine all the way down to new york and possibly dc out west yeah. of philly those are the things i want to do i want to i want to just get in an rv and and do some dates around the northeast that's my goal playing boston nice. is wonderful and i love doing it yeah. even though there are diminishing opportunities because of mm-hmm. aforementioned uh, gentrification but yeah uh it's also you know how many times can you play in a city you know i don't like to play more than once a month if not less really because people just get bored with you you know you gotta you gotta go away and come back and, and that's the way interesting it is. take that's interesting well think about it you know if somebody played it's not like i have an audience where i could play every week and like 100 people will show up that's a, that's crazy people the act wouldn't change enough it's not you know well, so that you is gotta, crazy you should have yeah. far more than 100 people that doesn't well, make any they, sense i do try <laughs> but you know what i mean like you got to make it special i feel like you know it's it's like you just it has to be an event it has to be something special I see I what you're play. Saying. sure and i also yeah. I, i'm a bit of a snob i want to play with bands i like so i don't want to just take a gig you know just to take a gig because that's just ridiculous sure. yeah okay. but you know i mean don't get me wrong i am a sucker for playing you know places like o'brien's or sally o'brien's or you know like i love small awesome dive bars that's where i cut my teeth you know uh, hey mm-hmm. when i was a kid my first show was at tt the bear's place on like a tuesday night and so nice. i am no stranger to that yeah <laughs> and they I just would, don't I, exist anymore like you said i mean well, i've had this conversation tough, right? multiple times yeah it just doesn't you know you mentioned o'brien's and that's the only one that really comes up anymore which is a well, shame it is a shame and so here's what you do we like i said about young artists and creatives we just you know you got to think of surrounding areas and it doesn't have to be in boston malden yeah malden is the new rock city right now and so so if you were thinking about getting in it's too late (laughs) but uh faces there's faces brewing company all they've invested in their room their sound they and they actually did it smart where they have a, a rock room in the back and a restaurant in the front brilliant that's some of the most successful places i've ever seen the shaskeen up in manchester new hampshire same model where there's a mm-hmm. there's a, a venue in the back room and the shaskeen uh, they haven't changed it i haven't talked to them in a bit but uh it's there's no cover so you literally walk in you can hang out in the pub in the front listen to regular old, old whatever's playing on the dj thing and then you can go in the back room and watch a band and you don't get charged any money that's the model there's got to be a way to make that model work but play you know, other G- hey geno's in portland is one of the greatest rock clubs ever man there that's portland which is an awesome city and it's well worth mm-hmm. the trip grab a cheap hotel room and stay up there because uh it's a great time geno's i think it's an old burlesque theater too it certainly looks like one and uh and it, the sound was awesome and uh wow you know we'll head down to the bowery electric in new york hopefully again i i gotta figure it all out right now i'm uh i'm looking for an assistant that can help me with that stuff <laughs> there you go i can't be all on right. the phone to everyone all the time <laughs> yeah no, exactly you're a busy man gene you're doing you're doing you're busy doing terrible podcasts so oh my you know, god are you kidding i love i just love you know it is i love shooting the shit you know like it's crazy but i shouldn't say it's shit, been right? yeah <laughs> look and and 
this was an awesome conversation. So I, you know, thanks again for coming on. Uh, hearing the way that you sort of described the city was great. The way that you described the music scene was great. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned the Sound Museum just because it's one of these things that kind of irks me. Uh, even though I have zero connection to it, it's just something that's always sort of been there for right. for a specific purpose that, you know, when you drove by, you knew what it was and you knew, oh, hey, you know, there's probably some cool shit going on in there. Right. But it, you know, now that it's gone, that whole area is becoming completely different than what it used to be, even, Christ, 10 years ago. But, um, you know, that sort of goes to what I was saying about the increased gentrification of the city and the world-class status that they're trying to project the damn good thing they didn't get the olympics in this city oh, oh Christ, god where would they absolute put, nightmare where would they put it that's the city. i have no clue because yeah. like there's we don't have the room like that needs you know where it needs to go i know this sounds stupid springfield you know like because they need the economic injection you know like this mm -hmm. is boston doesn't need it we have enough shit here already yeah where the hell would they put the olympics Fenway Park, I don't know. the garden yeah. where else i mean that's nuts that's it yeah they'd Look be in Lake providence they'd be in foxborough yeah. they'd be in uh probably in new york city they'd be everywhere but it would, look at lake know, placid new york they built it off of the olympics and no one goes there anymore no one goes there now it's you know it's the occasional you know hockey tournament for kids mm. or, or things like that but that's about it now right but whatever all right Gene, this has been phenomenal. You have uh, entirely surpassed my expectations, which were already lofty to begin with. So thank you. <laughs> um, I am, uh, you know, thrilled to you know keep telling everybody about Deluxe and, and about the band in general. Well, thank uh, you. And I will be, uh, you know, following the band closely and and your various exploits moving forward. And again, I, I very much appreciate you taking some time to to shoot the shit. <laughs> well, thank you, David. I, I appreciate that. Hey, if I may ask a question, if you yeah. um, did you get enough information about the album? I feel like I kept detracting you and I apologize for that. I hope I didn't Don't apologize for anything. I mean, I, mm. I, as I mentioned, I just was, you know, wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed it. Well, so, thank you. It I appreciate that very much. Where, you know, I could say that a billion times, but it'd be a very boring interview. So, Aww. you know, uh, but any favorites on the album or anything? Any questions about oh really? Oh dude. Oh, hands down. It One is of my such a fucking catchy song, dude. It is it's I mean, I'll I just am constantly singing the chorus like just over and over again. Like I don't know why, really? but whatever it's it just grabbed me. It's such a great catchy tune. Remember how I told you when I was angry I would write songs? That sure, literally yeah. That ex that exchange that is described in the chorus, mm -hmm. yeah. we're lovely when we need you. That is that came from somebody. I, I actually, when I wrote my one man show, um, I tell the story about that where that song came from, and it was basically like somebody I was really really into was mm -hmm. we were in the nightclub together, and we hadn't seen each other in a while, and they were, and this is someone who like kind of you know like i guess if i had a heart they broke it i don't even know but uh but they said i remember they were like um long story short they said something about like about trying to get cocaine and i was like well i guess you can talk to that guy you want to behave like and before i could talk they go don't worry we know how to work people and he walked away and i was like oh 
I was like, oh. yeah, you, yeah, you do. You definitely do. I was like, that was the same smile that I fell for. I was like, you fucking turd. <laughs> I, as I said, really said to myself for being such a sucker, but I was, but that whole, we're lovely when we need you. That's what yeah. that is, you know? And the shadow of someone I thought I knew that like, I was like, how can I create a really loaded statement in that? And thank you. That, that means a lot it. to me because that was like, that's one of those angry songs. I came up with that riff and everything. And I was like, and the, the metaphor for the pigs and the, cause you know what they're doing in the powder room <laughs> and, and, and it's caught. And I call it the powder room for that specific cocaine reason. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Thanks, I'm glad you like it. Thank you. It's a, that was a, yeah. that was a very close to the, close to the, uh, black heart. <laughs> I wrote that one. That's great. But awesome. Yeah. Jane, thank you. I'm done taking up your time, but listen, thank you again, uh, for agreeing to come on the show. Uh, pleasure. And, you know, hopefully down the road, uh, maybe when the next album comes out, I'll see if I can't get you back on to, you know, talk about the, um you know probably some more lab space coming into town or spreading out <laughs> throw into the suburbs but we'll see all right i love it i'll be i would be my Thanks pleasure so much. I, I appreciate it yeah looking Likewise. so looking forward to hopefully i get to see you guys play at some point uh, i love it fingers crossed all right dude awesome all right take care pal appreciate it you too bye david bye Fucking hell, that was good, huh? Man. That was good shit. Um, thanks again to Gene uh, for coming on to the program. And, um, you know, standing on the soapbox briefly, which, you know, was awesome. So, thank you. A lot of fucking gems in there. What, the, what he said about Fenway Park... Literally, I want to put that on a fucking t-shirt in the worst way. Fenway Park is a dump with rhinestones glued onto it. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, man. So much good stuff. So um, thank you again to Gene. It was uh, it was terrific. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, like to get more... It, it seems it's it's just a lot of musicians. Well, not a lot. I mean, what, what am I up to, like three? Two? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can count The Quiet Violent twice because I've had Donnie on twice, and I had Bobby on, and I had him on, you know, so I don't know. You could tell that the night's progressing when my speech gets far worse than it usually is. But seriously, go check out that album, Gene Dante. Just go to go to Apple, Spotify. Fuck Spotify. I don't really like Spotify, even though I'm, you know, recording on my my shitty podcast is hosted by Spotify, yet I can't stand Spotify. Go to uh, Apple. I'm pretty sure Apple Music pays the most for streams, and Spotify pays the least. I'm not 100% sure on that, but whatever just go somewhere and listen to it like if you like rock music it's terrific if you like heavy pop music it's terrific if you just like good music 
I don't know what it was, but it's something something there grabbed me, and I've I've uh, listened to it quite a bit. So check it out. It's uh, Gene Dante. The album is Deluxe DL slash UX Deluxe. Check it out. All right. Uh, let's talk about some other shit, shall we? Let's talk about let's talk about soccer. This is the part of the show where if you if you don't give a fuck about soccer, I don't care. Fuck yourself, because I love it. Except for right now, um, fucking West Ham got absolutely annihilated last weekend. Just gross. The worst performance they have actually put on the field in probably I would say at minimum three seasons at minimum hands down the worst performance of this season the players are not they you know completely tuning out the manager he needs to go and i'm tired i'm sick of complaining about it because it you know one what good does it do right me who hosts a show about complaining is sick of complaining about west ham because it drives me fucking bonkers the onus is also on the players. You can't play that. I don't care how bad the fucking manager is. You cannot go out on the field and play the way that they played uh, last weekend. It was gross. And the only thing that's like going to save them is, you know, they're in this, you know, Fakakta European League, and they'll probably win this round and keep moving and playing shit teams, probably get to the semis, and then people will be like, oh, well, David Moyes got him to the semifinals. Oh, 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 big fucking deal. He needs to go. We need a refresh. We need to fucking start over. It's very, very frustrating to watch because they'll go out and they'll win a game and everyone will be all excited. Oh, look what they've done. It's great. I tell you what, I'm, I'm so happy that this is not something that I've lived with my entire life. You know, but at the same time, I chose to follow this club and it has just... Killed me. Killed me. On the flip side of the coin, however, there is this gem from old friend Will, who I used to work with uh, back in the day at Wayfair. And I actually saved, I saw this voicemail come in while I was recording last week, but I saved it. And I'm so glad that I did because it has progressed uh, even even worse than it was when he initially called in. Check it out. Yo, what's up, Dave? This is Will. Uh, look, Southampton's going down this year, right? I mean, we're getting relegated. Um, and you know what? I've accepted this. Um, I'm not happy about it. Uh, but I, I think I'm starting to come to terms with it. This has been an absolutely disgraceful season um there's no hope um and you know me i'm generally i'm I'm pretty optimistic about things i was feeling good because west ham was also in the relegation zone i think they may technically still be but let's be honest you guys will weasel your way out of it and southampton is going down and oh my god it sucks so bad and i can't do anything about it um other than that you know what i hope you're doing well and since this show is all about complaints, um, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Silver Lining. So I feel like bring me on the air. Let's talk. You talk about a complaint, and I'll give you the bright side of it. And I feel like we've got a real segment on our hands here. 
I hope you're well, brother. Bye. That is so goddamn good. Will is a genuinely good human. And uh, what a brilliant phone call. Hell of an idea. Uh, you know, like like a point-counterpoint sort of thing. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. Anytime. The worst part about Southampton, okay? One, they are talented. They should not be as bad as they are. They have uh, James Ward-Prowse, who is, quite frankly, the most amazing... Uh, player on a, on free kicks that I've ever seen in my life. Like the dude is just fucking insane, like literally insane. But they lost um, FA Cup fifth round. They played Grimsby Town. Now look, you might not be familiar with Grimsby Town, and there's really no way that I can give like a legitimate comparison right to an american team i can't do it grimsby town <laughs> currently sit in 16th place in league two league two which is uh one league above everyone's new favorite team uh wrexham so that gives you an idea of how far, you know, how how low in the footballing pyramid Grimsby Town is. Yet they went out and beat Southampton. Grimsby Town. <laughs> it's incredible. Southampton is in such a dreadful spot. A dreadful, dreadful spot. And it's funny because, look, uh, as he said, West Ham is indeed in the relegation zone. Although they, I think they're two points out. One or two points above. But, I mean, look, let's be fair. Uh, if they If they do happen to weasel their way out, yeah, they're one point above the relegation zone right now. The good thing is, you know, their their goal differential isn't atrocious, but it's mostly bad. They need points in the worst way, and we're not getting any anytime soon. But um but yeah, that's fun stuff, huh? Fun stuff. Thursday is that Fakakta Farmers League uh, in Europe. We're playing uh, a team based in Cyprus, of all places. And then we get to then we get to fucking play uh, Aston Villa, and that'll be a, an ass-whooping, I'm sure. And then maybe they'll fucking fire the manager. I doubt it. Then again, you know, you see what happens with, with Southampton, where they fire a manager. He's there for like 10 days. Then they fire him and bring on a new guy. Who's now the whipping boy? Ah, you know, whatever. What can you do? So that was talking soccer. That's good stuff, man. Man, I love that. 
I also love Will's idea. So look, if if you want to actually do that, let's make that happen. Point, counterpoint. Complaint, counter-complaint. Or no, just, you know, complaint, silver lining. It's too good, and it fits. Hell of an idea. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I have another voicemail that I'm going to share. And, and I'm, I'm going into this one blind. I don't know what this is about. Check it out. Hello, Dave. This is Detective Richard Grayson with the Bloodhaven Police Department. Um, I don't like when people play God. It's a big complaint to buy. First of all, I'm an atheist, so, you know, it's weird to say people playing God. But you know what? Doctors can maybe get a pass. Certain doctors, you know, can, can, can get a pass, you know, uh, for playing God. But, uh, but market basket, market basket playing God, enough. Why does market basket think? that they have a better way of, of preserving bananas by putting them in plastic bags. I think whoever designed bananas in the first place came up with a pretty, pretty good wrapping device, you know. Um, but Market Basket, in their grand wisdom, is now, for some reason, maybe a love of polluting the environment, is now putting the bananas that are already in a casing in a very thin plastic casing, um, thus trying to improve on the original design of the banana's protective layer. So I don't like when people play God, especially when it's market basket. Did you think I was done? I thought I was done too. Now I'm done. Oh, wait. Don't forget. That is so goddamn good. Will is a genuinely good human. And uh, what a brilliant phone call. Hell of an idea. Uh, you know, like like a point-counterpoint sort of thing. <laughs> Anytime, buddy. Anytime. The worst part about Southampton, okay? One, they are talented. They should not be as bad as they are. They have uh, James Ward-Prowse, who is, quite frankly, the most amazing uh, player on a, on free kicks that I've ever seen in my life. Like, the dude is just fucking insane. Like, literally insane. But they lost. Um, FA Cup, fifth round, they played Grimsby Town. Now, look, you might not be familiar with Grimsby Town, and there's really no way that I can give, like, a legitimate comparison, right, to an American team. I can't do it. Grimsby Town <laughs> currently sit in 16th place in League 2. League Two, which is uh, one league above everyone's new favorite team, uh, Wrexham. So that gives you an idea of how far, you know, how, how low in the footballing pyramid Grimsby Town is. Yet they went out and beat Southampton. 
Grimsby Town. <laughs> it's incredible. Southampton is in such a dreadful spot. A dreadful, dreadful spot. And it's funny because, look, uh, as he said, West Ham is indeed in the relegation zone. Although they, I think they're two points out. One or two points above. But, I mean, look, let's be fair. Uh, if they If they do happen to weasel their way out, yeah, they're one point above the relegation zone right now. The good thing is, you know, their their goal differential isn't atrocious, but it's mostly bad. They need points in the worst way, and we're not getting any anytime soon. But um but yeah, that's fun stuff, huh? Fun stuff. Thursday is that Fakakta Farmers League uh, in Europe. We're playing uh, a team based in Cyprus, of all places. And then we get to then we get to fucking play uh, Aston Villa, and that'll be a, an ass-whooping, I'm sure. And then maybe they'll fucking fire the manager. I doubt it. Then again, you know, you see what happens with, with Southampton, where they fire a manager. He's there for like 10 days. And then they fire him and bring on a new guy. Who's now the whipping boy? Ah, you know, whatever. What can you do? So that was talking soccer. That's good stuff, man. Man, I love that. I also love Will's idea. So look, if if you want to actually do that, let's make that happen. Point, counterpoint. Complaint, counter-complaint. Or no. Just, you know, complaint, silver lining. It's too good and it fits. Hell of an idea. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I have another voicemail that I'm going to share. And, and I'm, I'm going into this one blind. I don't know what this is about. Check it out. All right. It is time for everybody's... Why do they say that with a southern accent? Ugh. It's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, the end. And it is time for three fucking gripes. Yeah. I struggled with three gripes this week. It wasn't a bad week, so I struggled. Uh, gripe number one, numbers. I just hate numbers. Um, I'm one of these people who gets very overwhelmed when there's too many numbers around. Case in point, we had a uh, meeting at work today in regards to our uh, commission plan and the uh, the various uh, machinations of that plan. And the numbers being thrown around were, honestly, by the end of the hour-long presentation, I had a fucking headache. I'm like, I have no idea what just happened there. And I think half of it is you know done purposefully so that people are confused and don't ask questions. That's how pretty much every single commission plan that I've ever had in my career, which I really hate saying in my career, please, I've had 80,000 fucking jobs. I've hated 79,998 of them. 
in my career. You know what? I'm saving that one. <laughs> um, that's just how it goes. But when I see that many numbers on the pitch, why I was terrible at math, awful at math, really fucking dreadfully bad at math. I had to be tutored like in uh, junior high and high school I had to be tutored to get through algebra because I just could not fucking figure it out. Funny story. My tutors were the son and daughter of my math teacher from junior high school, right? Um, both were, were tall people, played the basketball. One of them um, went on uh, to play Division One basketball, full scholarship. And now I'm pretty sure the grandson of my uh, junior high math teacher uh, the grandson of my junior high math teacher, fuck, uh, is also going to go to a Division One school on a full scholarship in basketball. How about that, huh? That's some full circle shit. I just hate fucking numbers. It just they they give me a headache. They drive me nuts. And the people that like love numbers, I don't understand them. They're not humans. I'm convinced of that. It's one zero one zero one one. Periodic table with a centerpiece of mine. If you know that lyric, kudos to you. Gripe number two, seltzers. Here's another in the very, very long line of ways that the man is out to fuck you. I regularly enjoy seltzer. Bottled seltzer, canned seltzer. Uh, infused seltzer, all that fun stuff. Love seltzer. I own a, um, what's the fucking machine there that makes the seltzer? I own one of those. But anyways, we're out shopping last week, and I noticed that all the national seltzer brands, like your LaCroix or LaCroix, whatever it's pronounced, um, like Polar, there's some others. They've all moved to eight-pack cases as opposed to the traditional 12 and then still have the fucking gall to charge, at minimum, five bucks a whack. Like, what the fuck is this? When did this happen? Who made that fucking decision? Oh, you know what? Let's fuck the public, charge them the same fucking price, and give them four fewer cans. How has this not caused, like, a mass riot? What, what started with one brand coming out with an eight-pack, you don't all have to follow that. It's crazy, and it's fucking stupid. But it's just one of the many ways, you know, that, that corporate America just loves fucking putting their thumb down on, on, on average, everyday Americans who just happen to enjoy a sparkling watered flavored beverage. Blah, bitty, blah, bitty, blah. Gripe number three, jobs. I applied for a job at Nestle last June, selling shit to various retail outlets and whatnot. And then on March 6th, I, I, March 6th, 
and received the devastating news that I didn't get the job. I was uh, heartbroken. So heartbroken that I I realized that uh, I now have a much better job. I just, you know, it's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, I understand you're probably just like cleaning out a long list of shit that you ignored for mm, nine months. Just delete it. Put something in your system where you can just delete that shit. Instead of, you know, sending that out and looking foolish. I'm never going to apply. <laughs> There's a threat. <laughs> I'm never going to apply for another job with you, Nestle. You're never, you're never going to know what it's like to have a mediocre salesperson working for you. How dare you? Do you understand what kind of career I've had? The number of jobs that I have worked where I worked for less than eight hours and quit. <laughs> the number of jobs where I worked for less than a week and quit. The number of jobs that I worked for less than a month and quit. Which reminds me, a happy belated birthday to AP Dave. If you happen to be listening to this program, um, that's what made me remember that your birthday was recently. So, happy belated birthday. Throughout the course of my career, there's nothing worse than having to describe, um, you know, the, the, the amount of shit that I have done, quote-unquote, professionally throughout the course of my adult life. And I've had that conversation a handful of times at this current job. And it's funny because, of course, I'm getting older and the new people are just getting younger. So, you, you know, you're sitting there and you're talking to someone who's like 24 years old. And they ask you, oh, what'd you do before this? Well, do you have time? Pull up a chair, son. Let me tell you all the things not to do with your life. Number one, don't start a podcast. Number two, don't go into sales. I liked how, you know, when I was talking to Gene, I threw in a little sales uh, number in there, which, you know, look, quite frankly, I couldn't believe how sort of apropos it was. But at the same time, it was a tad uh, pretentious. No, yes, it was. But that's what you've come to expect from this fine program. Probably not. So, Nestle, fuck you. Not only have you contributed to making me a fat sack of shit, uh, you wait nine months to turn me down for a job. <laughs> <sighs> Anyways, listen, that's it for the show. Uh, dynamite program this week. Very thankful once again uh, to Mr. Gene Dante. Uh, go check him out in a variety of locations. I will give you his Instagram handle. It is Gene Dante. One word. G-E-N-E-D-A-N-T-E. -E -E. Now, when you go to Gene's Instagram page, uh, the first post from uh, today, he's wearing a hat that I might have to buy. Uh, if I'm going to support the man and thank him for coming on my program, I may have to buy one of these hats. It's pretty dope. Um, yeah, but yeah, and then go find his album, listen to his album. It's really good. 
and then uh, keep an eye on him. Uh, if you happen to see him out and about, I don't know why. Would, why would I say if, if you see him out and about? What the fuck does that mean? Like run up to him, hey Gene, I heard you on that stupid fucking podcast. <laughs> if if they happen to be playing somewhere, go see them play. There you go. Nicely done, David. Um, <clears throat> if you want to uh, be on the show, if you know someone who wants to be on the show, I love talking to people on this show. Real life, eh, not so much. But on this show, I'm all for it. So have them reach out in a variety of num- uh, different ways. Social media, email. They can call in. Call and complain and say, hey, I want to be on the show, like Will did. Will, I don't even know if you actually listen to this, but if you do, I'd love to have you on the program. Get in touch. Let's talk. Um, What else? You can go to my Instagram page, at ComplaintsPod, my Twitter account, at ComplaintsPod, which has been blown up. Blown up. I'm up to like 212 followers. (whistles) Wow. That place is a fucking cesspool that's getting worse by the day. I kind of wanted to talk about Elon Musk today, but I fucking can't stand the guy, so no. Um, I have a Facebook page, but fuck Facebook. I have a Twitch channel that I can't figure out how to use. I have a YouTube page that I don't do anything with. Uh, I also have a Mastodon account and a Post account. Meh. Um... Again, 617-657-4736. You can go to the website. I haven't really updated that in a while. I was just reminded that I have to pay for it again, which is kind of depressing. I don't know why I do it, but whatever. Hey, it's there, complaintsandobservations.com. I used to do a blog. I haven't done a blog in a long time. Nobody read it, so what's the point? Because uh, I enjoy writing. That's why. Um, Yeah, but that's it. Listen, um, tell your friends, please. Tell your friends to listen to the show, especially today, um, you know, the week prior with Robert Dean, uh, my interview with with the two gents from uh, The Quiet Violent. I'm still waiting on Jake to get off his fucking ass and mix this goddamn EP so that we can get some new music from The Quiet Violent. Thank you very much, Jake. What the fuck? Um, but yeah, tell your friends, tell your moms, uh, take care of yourself, take care of each other. Godspeed. Ta-ta.